The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. As much as Advent is preparing for the birth of Jesus on Christmas, which you see all around you in the Christmas decorations and the nativities, and the preparing for celebrations. As much as Advent is about preparing for Christmas, it is also just as much about preparing for the end of the world. Advent is about preparing for the end of the world, something that you heard about in great detail in our lessons this morning. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. Or Jesus says there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and distress of nations and perplexity, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He's talking about the end, which is, of course, not just an end to all things, but it is the beginning of a new thing. It is the coming of Christ in glory to finalize the redemption that he has won for his people on the cross, to deliver you, his dear people, to eternity, to a kingdom built for you, to mansions with rooms prepared for you. That is what we are getting ready for in Advent. That is why we reflect on the birth of Jesus in that manger, because we know where that life is headed. We know that little baby is headed for the cross, and that is our salvation. Now, thinking about the end, especially in these dramatic terms, can be quite harrowing. It's a lot of violence and darkness and thunder in the way the Bible describes the end. To help appreciate this, or to help put this in perspective, I want to talk about what might seem like a strange example at first, so bear with me. I hope that you all have had at some point in your life the distinct pleasure of driving a really crummy car, a car that, you know, you're not really proud to be driving it. Okay, so just hypothetically, suppose somebody like me owned a 1989 Oldsmobile 98 that was parked in a barn for a long time and which a friend drove through a plowed field as fast as he could, and which had a litter of kittens born in the back seat of the car. Okay, so picture that kind of a car. You're really not proud of the car, all right? This is a junky car. When you drive a junky car, 
you are kind of liberated. When you know that your car is junky, you're kind of liberated. Of course, you appreciate it because it gets you from here to there. All it has to do is go, and it's still doing its job. It gets you from here to there, and you are very thankful for, of course, the things in the car which do work. Yes, you can't roll down the windows, but you can turn the heat on. Full blast, that's only, the only setting you've got, but it's still great. In the cold of winter, that's all that matters, okay? You are very thankful for things that do work. It's especially the case, then, that you're not surprised when things go wrong, right? You know what this car is like. You know that there's a good chance when you turn on the signal, the light's not going to go. You know that anything might break at any moment. The ceiling, uh, the ceiling fabric might fall down on you at any moment. Things can go wrong at any time, and you're not surprised because you know what kind of a car you're driving. And you also know that there's a day coming when there's going to be a loud clunking, scraping noise and the car's not going to go anymore. You know that there's a day coming when this car is not going to drive because it's a crummy car. It's good for what it's good for, but there's an end in sight. Now, of course, how you feel about that end as you anticipate it and how you react when that end comes depends on whether or not you have another car to drive. So if this is the only car you've got and you've got no hope of ever getting another car, then yeah, you're going to hang on to this car for dear life. And even as the car is sputtering down the road, breathing its last breaths, you're going to be hoping desperately that you can get some more life out of it. But if you've got another car, you're just going to drive it until the end and then you're going to move on because you know that you've got something better in store for you. And you're especially not going to be concerned about little things. Like if somebody comes, you get the, the privilege of if somebody comes behind you and bumps you, you could just say, hey, no problem. That scratch was already there, or it's not as bad as the other scratches were there. You just don't care that much, because you have a hope for the future, and you know what is coming. You know that there is an end for this car. I think you can see where all of this is going. This is how we should think about this world. This is how we should think about this world. So how do we prepare for the end? How do we prepare for the end, knowing what's coming? knowing how harrowing it's going to be that this world is going to fall apart. How do we prepare for the end? The starting place is the same starting place for every other aspect of the Christian life. The starting place is repentance. It's repentance, and it's this, recognizing that the reason the world is falling apart is because of you and me. The reason that the heavens are being shaken, the reason that there will be signs and sun and moon and stars, the reason why the earth will be dissolved in fire is because of our sin. Because we are actively involved in destroying this beautiful world that God has created every time we sin. Every time we disregard God's law, every time we use our life and the lives of those around us for our own selfish purposes, we are destroying the world. And so that is the reason why there is an end. And that is why the first step in preparing for the end to come is repentance. Turning from our sin. Recognizing that there must be something better. Recognizing that we have mercy from the hand of God. That that is our only hope. That we cannot rescue ourselves. That what we have brought on this world, we are bound to suffer unless God saves us. Unless we recognize that he has given us a hope beyond imagination, a hope bound up in that little baby lying in the manger at Christmas. We recognize that we are at fault, and we recognize just how bad it is. Take to heart the words that are used by the prophet Malachi and by Jesus to describe what is coming on this world. It is not over-drama. It's not 
uh, a dramatized, a melodramatic thing for God to bring this judgment on the world because this is the judgment the world deserves. Burning like an oven, that day will come, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. How bad is it? It's so bad that something new must be wrought. Something new must be done. A new heavens and a new earth. So that's how we begin to prepare. But now think again about that uh, example of driving a junky car. How do we live our lives now, knowing what is coming on the world, knowing what this world is like and where it is destined to go? So we live right now as though we have a future in heaven. You live right now as though you have a place to go when this world is brought to an end. You live right now as though this is not your home. As though you are sojourners and exiles, as St. Peter puts it. As though you are just visitors. You're here on your way through. We live right now as though our home is in heaven. Which means, of course, that now we have to invest ourselves in things that matter. Things that will last. Not things that the world thinks will last. The world wants you to invest yourself in things that will outlive you. But nothing in this world will outlive you. Nothing in this world will last forever. And so now we live as though we have a future, because we do, in which eternal things matter. A future in which the Word of God, which endures forever, is the one lasting permanent thing. Invest yourselves in that. Put that in your hearts and on your lips. Live your lives centered on God's Word, so that you can always remember where your home is, so that you never forget that the things of this world are passing away, but you have a hope and a future. Live now, fulfilling your life in this world according to its basic purpose. So think about how that car, that junky car, just has to get you from here to there. What is the basic purpose of your life in this world? It's actually very simple. It is simply to glorify God and to love your neighbor. Here's how St. Paul puts it in our epistle lesson. He encourages the people that he's writing to to live in harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together they may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are to glorify God with their lives and to love one another as Christ has loved them. That's getting from here to there. That's the basic purpose that you have in this life, and that is enough. That is all there is to do that is worth doing. Glorify God and love your neighbors. Invest yourselves in that, because that is what lasts. That is what will endure through the fire and the smoke and the thunder on the last day. And knowing this, knowing what's coming, thank God for all of the wonderful things that we have in this life, for all of the gifts that we do not deserve, for all of the things we shouldn't expect in a world that is falling to pieces. Thank God for the blessings of daily bread, for food to eat and clothing to wear and a home to cover your heads, Thank God for the blessings of family. Thank God for the blessings of people around you with whom you can share in these promises, with whom you can hope in a future in heaven. Thank God for those blessings because they are a gift, undeserved, which we could never expect here in a world that is falling to pieces. You know, I mean, you can see with your eyes how the world is falling to pieces. That's nothing in comparison with what is coming. Thank God for what he has given you now. And regard them, regard those blessings as not things that you're going to hold on to, not things that you're going to take with you forever, but as gifts for you now as you prepare for eternity. It's also important to know then how we should think about the troubles we encounter in this life. You know the world is falling to pieces and you feel it. 
You feel it in your lives. Whenever you suffer sorrow or tragedy or loss or grief, you feel it. You feel as though the world is falling to pieces. How should we think about that? How should we think about those things? Yes, they matter, and yes, they are grievous. Those losses that you suffer, the true sorrows that we have in this life, yes, they are terrible, but keep them in perspective. Recognize that, first of all, they are nothing. They really are nothing in comparison with the sorrows and grief that are coming on this world. Much less are they anything in comparison with the joy, with the joy that is in store for you. For it is for this reason in particular that you suffer these things, that you suffer sorrow and grief and loss and pain. It is for that reason that Christ came into the world. It is for that reason that Christ has come to deliver you. So put your hope in the joy that awaits you. Recognize that first, all of these things must come to an end, and then there is joy. Do not expect relief from sorrow yet, but hope. Hope in the fulfillment of God's promises. Because again, his word endures forever. That is the one thing that is secure and certain. And look to the end. Set your eyes on the end. I know it's terrible to look at. Reading these lessons on a Sunday morning does not sound like a very Advent, Christmas kind of thing to do. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. That does not sound like a very cheerful thing. We're supposed to be happy around Christmas time. But you can be happy. You can be happy knowing all of this because you know that when the end is near, when these signs appear in sun and moon and stars, when the earth is shaken, when everybody else is fainting with fear because they do not know what is coming upon them, you know that your king is coming. You know that your redemption is at hand. It's like taking a long journey, and you know what the the landmarks are along the way, and you know as you're getting to the end of the journey, you know what to expect, and when you see these things, when you see these signs, you know that you are almost there at your destination. You know that your hope is almost fulfilled. When what Jesus has spoken comes to pass, you can rejoice, even as the world is trembling with fear. You can rejoice because your king is coming to save you. That is how we prepare during Advent, not just for Christmas, not just to celebrate rightly the birth of Jesus, but to prepare for the second coming of our King, to prepare for the end of the world. That first hymn we sang put it so well. When he next comes in glory and the world is wrapped in fear, he will shield us with his mercy and with words of love draw near. Prepare your hearts, stay awake, be watchful, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is your salvation. Keep your eyes fixed on what he has done for you, so that when the end comes, when the world is brought to nothing, you can stand. Raise up your heads, straighten up, and rejoice, because your God is here for you. And may that same God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in his gifts to eternity. Amen.